What's up, Free Church? Hey, how good you look today and how good you sound. And man, I just feel just such a wonderful, sweet presence of the Lord in this room. I don't know about you, but maybe I was telling somebody this morning, and we talked about it at home all week that, you know, last week was Super Bowl Sunday. And from last week to today, it feels like a hundred years. Anybody? Does it feel like the longest week of your life? I don't know if it's because like it pretended to be spring for two days and then we're back to winter. Or if it's, if it's just kind of the way we flow in Chicagoland when it gets to February, it seems like the days don't have 24 hours, they have 36. But I know that um, the powerful promise of Scripture and of our Lord is that uh, no matter what the week's been like, I'm going to paraphrase Scripture right now, but no matter what the week has been like, there's a joy that comes in the morning. And um, man, I just think it's, it's on days like today when you just sense the presence of the Lord so strong like we don't want to get in a hurry or rush or like miss out on what God's doing Pastor Ursh mentioned it and you could tell like there's just a stirring in our hearts right now and I just sense that God is um, I sense that God is just kind of showing up today um, especially for you and, and you got to be the one to determine that it's you that God's showing up for. Um, that it's like, oh, God, you're here for me. And I think if you've had the kind of week that I've had where it seems like, my God, it was so, so many days. Like, was it seven days or 17 days? It was a seven times 77. Like, what, what's going on, God? Well, God sees you. And he knows you. And um, before you got here today, he already had a plan to meet you. And to bring you freedom and joy and just really move you forward on the journey from where you are to where he wants you. And I just, over the next few minutes as we share the word of God, can we just lean in? It might feel a little different or it might seem like, well, that's not... This is exactly what God wants to do today. And um, maybe for you, the rain came and the floods came, but thank, thank the Lord our house was built on him, on a sure foundation. So, um, well, I'm ready to preach God's word. Are you ready to receive it today? The year... The year was 1986. I was uh, going into my junior year in high school, uh, but before that year was starting, I spent, uh, as I always did, summer at church camp. And um, man, camp was some of the greatest days of my life because it brought together young people and students from all over the state of Michigan and uh you know we we would have man camp nowadays might be different than what my camp was we would have like church all day in the morning get up have breakfast and then have church like till noon and then have lunch and then have some more church in the afternoon and then they would open up a window of like an hour and a half time of free time or competition and it would be basketball or softball and um, the concession stand would open, and uh, but there, I just loved those days, and and some of those days I spent, you know, running the campground, just playing basketball, and I'll never forget um, that year. Uh, I had uh, we were we were playing ball, and and uh, the goal was to win, right? And so uh, we were our dorm. It was dorm against dorm. So it was a group of guys in a dorm against the next dorm. And we started competing and it got 
intense because competition's intense. And, uh, and then, you know, we were winning, so we felt like we were all that. And then we got into church on that night, and, you know, we had won, so we felt pretty cool. And we were the coolest guys on the campground in our own minds. And, uh, and then uh, we got into service, and we were like, we're too cool for school, and let everybody else do what they're going to do. And that was the first night. The second night, kind of the same thing. The third night, kind of the same thing. On the fourth night, uh, the preacher uh, started preaching. And I don't know what happened, but the Holy Spirit moved in. And uh, I finally, like on the third night, I was like, I can't, I'm, I can't be this cool anymore. Uh, I need Jesus. And, uh, and, and so... I looked at the guys in my row from my dorm. I was like, is, in, is anybody going to get up and go, go after God this, this service? Because I'm, like, I'm, I'm tired of like not really getting what I know I need from church camp. And so I got up and went. We, there were a few of us. We got up and went to the altar. And, and it really was one of those paramount nights in my life where I realized that God was doing something special and was really calling me. It was, it was like one of those nights where I, I knew for, without a doubt, God was calling me into ministry, but I sensed um, that there was something special happening because around me, it wasn't just, it, there, there was just this beautiful picture around me of what I sensed heaven would be like. And it was, it was, it was a group from many places, different places, different cities, uh, different churches, different backgrounds, different colors of skin, but all pursuing one purpose. And it was where I felt the most home was in that setting where there was such a broad range of diversity around me. It's the year I learned, I want to be in a church that looks like heaven. Uh, Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say this, hey, it looks like heaven. And then to the one you've just been ignoring all service, lean back over to them and say, but it feels like home. Looks like heaven. Feels like home. We're in this series called Bring Out the Best. And uh, I don't know why I'm so emotional all of a sudden. I'm like, dear God, it's like there's a soundtrack in the back of my mind playing that's just got me emotional but we're in this series called bring out the best and we've been talking about we talked the first week about that God wants to bring out the best in fact let's look at our key verse Romans 12 2 and we'll lean in for a little bit it says this in Romans 12 2 as we pull the scripture up it's coming it's the message I don't have the message memorized but I have the other versions but I want to read it in the message don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, which by the way, that's what we've done for the last 30 minutes or so is we just focused our attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Here we go, big phrase with me, say it together. God brings out the best of you and develops well-informed maturity in you. Uh, That's it. There we go. That's the last phrase. So we understand that, like, the world system is work on the outside first, and then once you get the outside right, then maybe you can get the inside right. Or the the inside will never be right, but at least the outside looks okay. Isn't that what we do? Like, we put a mask on, we smile, we know all the moves, uh, when people ask us, are we okay? We're like, yeah, we're doing great. Just busy. And that's like, that's enough just to say we're, but inside we might be really hurting or something happening to us internally. But God's like, I want to, I want to change you from the inside out. Don't focus so much on the outside that you miss the importance of the detail of what's inside. And God's like, I want to fix that. Bring the best out of you inside out. And then last week we talked about, uh, bringing out the best in, in, marriage and in relationships and how any relationship is going to require grace and grit like the only way you grow in a relationship is if you have grace for the good the bad and the ugly and you have some grit to just work your way through it 
and determine I'm committed to this relationship even when I'm not 100% in agreement or not happy. We don't get married to be happy. We get married to be holy and to grow. So today I want to talk about bringing out the best in others and specifically since it is Black History Month, I want to talk about the ministry of racial reconciliation. And, you know, I've told you as a church that when Urshana and I and the four boys moved here to Oak Park, the very first thing we knew, we had a dream that Free Church would represent the diversity of Oak Park. And, but we're just a family of six. Come on, we're so white, our boys dressed all the same when they were young. There's just no better way to say it. Like, we went to New York one time, and Ethan and, as the twins weren't with us, Ethan and Elliot were with us, and I got off the wrong train. We, there was, it was so busy. Never go to New York in the month of June, by the way, like the first week of June, because that's when all the schools are there on their end-of-year trips. So we couldn't get a hotel room downtown, like in Times Square or anything. So we got a hotel room in Brooklyn. Yeah. We were living on the edge. And this is before phones really worked to, to show you where to go and how to get places. And, and so I forgot to mark the stop of our train uh, when we got in, got on the train to go downtown. And on the way back, I was like, well, I think this is the exit. And we got off. It was the wrong exit. And it was a little overwhelming. You know the scene in movies where there's cars jacked up on like cinder blocks and there's no tires on them? That's where we got off at, and uh, Ursh and I, she was, a little, she was a little nervous. I was trying to play like, like I knew what I was doing, and then I looked at my boys who are like this, Ethan and Elliot, but they're dressed in the same exact sweatshirt and sweat, like collar popped up, little cat, matching cat. I mean, I was like, we're dead. <laughs> So I saw that to say, like, we moved to Oak Park, the six of us, and dreaming of a church that would look like heaven but feel like home, and to God be the glory. Look around you. Look around you. Everyone different. Every life age, every life stage, different backgrounds, different experiences, different nationalities, but one family. Come on, give God a hand for that. So I'm going to pray the next 22 minutes seem like last week, like it just the, the clock slowed down like last week did. And, but you know, in the Bible, God shows us an example of relationship, and, um, and, and he shows it to us from the very beginning. Look at Genesis 1-1, and then I got a treat for us in a little bit. So Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God forms and fashions the world through his powerfully creative word and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, remember, because uh, water reflects. And so that's how we know the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And so God has this picture of relation for us from the very beginning as God is creating heavens and earth as he's creating uh, all that we see around us there's there's this beautiful work at place in relationship and then John 1 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God and so we have this picture of, of who God is and the biblical term for who God is and what kind of God he is is this word, triune, triune. Tri meaning three. Yun is where we get the word union from, meaning one. So, so God is a God who is three in one. And I've showed you at the beginning of time at the beginning God establishes the relationship culture that he wants to develop in us because is God 
It's the word in the very beginning, John 1, 1, and the word was with God, the word was God, and then the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 4, 4 and 6. It says, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and God, one God and Father over all who is in all, over all, in all, and living through all. So that's just the picture of what we would describe as the Godhead. Now, this, you gotta just go with me for a little bit because it's gonna get a little technical before we kind of lean in and, and I feel like there's revelation for us today in terms of racial reconciliation. And, and what I know is this, is that God shows us this picture of relationship three in one. Now, some of you have been around uh, circles and cultures and heard the word Trinity. And, and Trinity is really a, a man, uh, it's a man-made up word. It's, it's, Trinity is not in the Bible, triune is in the Bible. He's a triune God, three in one. Uh, but Trinity is a way that we describe the Godhead. And, and what is interesting to me is that we see that God is three in one. Some would say three manifestations in one, or some might say three distinct persons in one, or some might say three, they would, they would say diverse manifestations. So he's God the Father, he is Jesus the Son, and he is the Holy Spirit, all God, three in one. Now listen, he's no more three than he is one, and he's no more one than he is three. When you get God, you get God, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look, in Matthew 3.16, when Jesus is baptized by John, he says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So in that picture, Jesus is baptized, God the Father opens up and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit as a dove descends on Jesus and Jesus is standing there in the water, three in one. God displays his desire for our relationships in his own identity of who he is, three in one, meaning he is diversity in unity and unity in diversity. Three distinctions, three diversities, but one. Okay, tracking with me? Let, let me show you some more examples of three and one. Uh, this is Paul writing in 2 Corinthians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So, so this is the desire of God our, our Father who wants us to have relationships in our life where it's, it's there's a diversity. In fact, didn't Paul say that we have diverse gifts, but we're one body? Remember that? Paul says there's diversity in gifts, but one body. Some have the gift to teach. Some have the gift to preach. Some have the gift to give. Some have the gift to serve. Some have the gift to lead. Some have the gift to create but all those gifts are necessary. We say it like this, every member is a minister and every task is important. So, so we have this idea set that we are to experience the fullness of life in diversity, in unity, and unity in diversity. Tracking with me? Acts 17. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and that he marked out their appointed times and history and boundaries of their lands. So God establishes through Adam all mankind. And the Bible is clear that all mankind is made up of one blood. So you might say, we're, really, the biblical term for our diversity is that we are one race, many nations. We're one blood. That God establishes a people, 
And when he establishes a people, it's that through that people, the world will be blessed. And then he marked the time and the appointments and the territories of all the people. So it is not a surprise to God that you're here today. In fact, God planned it, appointed it, and set it up for you. And he's not shocked at all that you're here today. You might be shocked. But he's not shocked. So we have this idea. Now, man, we know there was the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. You can read it for homework this week. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, Adam and Eve, they partake of the wrong tree, the tree that they were restricted and prohibited from eating. Um, and, and because of that, there's, this is what happens when sin comes in. When sin arrives, uh, there'll be isolation, alienation, and then there's going to be violence. You just, you can, you can know that when, wherever there is sin, sin will lead to alienation, alienation will lead to violence. Because look at Adam and Eve sin, they are separated from God in that sin, they're cast out of the Garden of Eden, they're alienated from that garden because now God's like, I can't, I don't, we have to, we have to establish a way for them to get back into the grace of God, into the relationship of God. And so he covers them, he leads them and points them out into the wilderness, outside of the garden. And, and then it's just a few years down the road and now we have the violence happening because Cain and Abel have a dispute and one ends up dead. And if you follow along in history, there's sin, there's isolation, alienation, and violence. You can look at it today. You can look at it today. And so, but that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was not for the world to experience the violence we experience. It was not God's plan, but God can redeem it. And so God chose a people. Stick with me. We're going to get somewhere. God chose a people. And he said, through this people, remember uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Hebrews chapter 11, or I'm sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 11, but in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham and says, leave your people, in my paraphrase, go to a new place, a diverse place, and I will make you the father of nations. And in Sunday school, you sing, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord, right arm, left arm. Man, that was the funnest song. Like, Mosh Pit didn't start because of rock and roll music. <laughs> we had our own Mosh Pit when we were singing Father Abraham. But God chose the people of Israel not, not to mark them better than the rest of the world, but to bless the world through them. And, man, the ups and downs of the people of God just on this journey to stay True to the course, I, I've been telling you about my Bible reading and I'm reading the chronological Bible this year and I've made my way into the book of Leviticus and into Numbers, and, and, but I've started, I, I began underlining all the places where it says, and the Lord said, and currently I'm now underlining also places where it says, and they did just as the Lord said. Come on, church, church, life will be so much better if we will do as the Lord says in his word. Like, just, just do what the word says, and if we do that, man, but it's hard because of sin. We're born into sin, and so we have this, this battle of being isolated, alienated, and then the violence around us. And, but God says, I'm going to take one group of people and bless them and then bless the world from that, and then... He, he opens up the blessing uh, to everyone through Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians 3.28. Paul says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So all of a sudden, because of Jesus, all of the diversity around us makes us one again through Jesus Christ. I thought I'd get a better amen on that, but... And so the plan is, now it's not just a, a 
one group of people. Now God has chosen the church to be the champion of our communities, both to provoke and to promote racial reconciliation and diversity in unity and unity in diversity. So come on, Pastor Matthew, I, I need some help up here. Come on, everybody welcome Pastor Matthew. Come on, you love him. And look what Jesus says. Look what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. Church, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's you. And so we have to learn then how to live and work and uh, express who we are in the context of how diverse we are, but how unified we are. And I think it's, it's important for us to be able to acknowledge that at any given moment in time, we don't have all the answers and we're not right 100% of the time. And uh, that we have, this, we, we have this space in our lives in which we learn and we learn not in isolation and not in alienation, but we learn in togetherness and unity and conversation. And um, I, I think it's, it's pretty powerful, the images we get uh, as, we, as we walk through this journey together and the opportunity that the Lord has given us to be an example to the world around us. Look, look what Jesus goes on to say. No one, no one puts up, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I believe God's put a mandate on free church for us to be the kind of church that looks like heaven feels like home and it's an example to our community. Hey, we're not perfect, but we, we are willing to work diversity and unity and unity and diversity. And I think that's really kind of a key, kind of a key thought. Um, and I wanna dive in a little bit, but that's really the, the desire from the beginning of the relationship God shows us and then our relationships in our lives. I guess what I wanna say is we don't bring out the best in others um, as long as we only try to bring out the best in everyone who looks like us. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, th I think everything you just said was extremely important. And I love how, you know, obviously, be, you know, this month is, is Black History Month. And I think you've stated so beautifully that black history, you know, is American history. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes what we try to do is we try to make the distinction. And I think one of the things that, and I think you've stated it as well, and I think it is so important for us to know is is that race and ethnicity it is it's god's idea right and, and i think once we remember that yeah. having people that look different uh whether you hispanic uh, african-american white native american indonesian uh, japanese chinese w whatever that is I, I think that's i think it's the responsibility of the church to paint a picture of the life that we will be spending in heaven for eternity. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to know that what we, are, what we are aiming for here at Free Church, like you say so perfectly all the time, uh, is to represent exactly what, what heaven will look like. I think if we're not careful, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hear phrases um, like diversity and inclusion. Um, and, and I think where the real effort comes in is in the word inclusion because diversity is an adjective and we don't combat the sin of racism with adjectives, we do it with action, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Yeah. Right now, so what does that mean? We, we don't earn our way to salvation. We don't earn our way to get saved. However, once we get saved, once we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the everlasting love of the Father, mm -hmm. the indwelling Holy Spirit, what we do from that salvation, God does take into account. And so if we want to combat racism, which is just sin, it, it can't just come through diversity because if not careful in our churches, we can get real comfortable with using diversity as just a display case. Mm. And what we have to be mindful of is that inclusion is a verb. 
Inclusion means having difficult conversations. Inclusion means admitting when you're wrong. Yeah. Inclusion means seeking out other people that may not think like you. Yeah. And that's, that's the tough part because usually when you're living a lifestyle of inclusion, you're, you're facing yourself. You have yeah. to look yourself in the mirror. And are the things that we've learned our whole lives, have, have they been wrong? Are there things that we need to address? Are there things that we need to correct? Right. Um, and so I, I, I want to say that because when we say that we're a diverse church, what, what we're aiming for is the inclusivity of every race and every ethnicity, every language, every yeah. tongue. Because all we're simply trying to do is represent what, what heaven is yeah. and what it, will, what it will look like. And I think that's important for us to understand. Really it's good. so true. All through, if you read all through the New Testament, we see examples of, of Jesus actually going against the culture of the day. Yes. And yeah. like, for instance, we've talked about this. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but just as a reference point, like uh, the story of the Good Samaritan yeah. is, is actually a story that, that is about racial reconciliation. Yeah. Um, you know, and because wherever sin is, and this is what I, this is what I know, wherever, wherever a culture uh, puts anything else other than God at the top, um, that, that, leads, that leads to really chaos, and, and it leads to isolation, separation, alienation, and then violence. It, it, watch this. Um, so, for instance, if if I value my family before all everything else, even before God, I value my family before everything. I will privilege my family in front of everything else in order to make my family appear to be what I want them to be. If I if I value success, career track. And, uh, and myself, my self-ambition above any, anything else, then I privilege myself at the cost of everyone around me to advance in society. If I value God above all else, then I live out the promise of the new commandment in the New Testament that I love the Lord God of all my heart, soul, and mind, and then my neighbor as myself. So if I love God first, then that takes that helps me lean into being the person that can uh, that can walk out the Scripture and fulfill the the real desire of our God, who wants us to live in this diverse picture in relationship. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. Even the parable of the Good Samaritan, or it even reminds me of. Uh, John chapter 4, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Yeah. Where in other words, it, it wasn't optional for him. And I think that's one of the ways that as believers, we can really continue to walk so strongly in racial reconciliation. Right. When we stop seeing this issue, when we stop seeing this sin um, as optional in, in terms of addressing. Yeah. Well, like in other words, Jesus thought it, Jesus said, this is not optional. This, this has to be addressed. Well, everybody else said go around. Right. And, and that is because what happened was that the religious uh, development and regime decided like if you're, if you're an Israelite um, and you practice the law, you're better than everybody else. So they actually look down on all the cultures around them, which would be easy because they're like, we have, this is our God, this is the laws he's given us, and then they look down on everyone around them. And Jesus used that story uh, of the Good Samaritan to show who our neighbor is, and then when he goes and meets the woman at the well, the same, the same picture. And then when the disciples arrive on the scene, you can almost imagine the, the shock on their faces that a Jewish rabbi, a teacher, yeah. by the way, would be talking to a Samaritan yeah. woman. So what we see in that story is Jesus addressing the racial tension of that time. And it's even an eye-opening thing to understand. This is why in, in Ecclesiastes, it says that there is nothing new under the sun. Right. So I think we've also done this topic a disservice. Um, racism is not just an American issue. It is a global issue. Yeah, right. The racism, so true. racism has been going on since scripture was being recorded. And here we have Jesus, full of grace and truth, talking to a Samaritan woman, a person that most people would have spent time avoiding. And I think the power of re racial reconciliation is that we pur purposefully 
have conversation that most people right. would spend time going around or spend time talking to people that most people would spend time avoiding. And I think that's right. the beauty of our God because he found it worth addressing. He said he had to go through Samaria. He had to have the hard conversation. I think that's the, yeah. that's the beauty of, it, of something like this. And the, and the reason why it's so paramount for the church to get it right yeah. and to be the lead in it is so that it doesn't get skewed out of proportion. Every, every strength exaggerated becomes a weakness. And if anybody was awake in 2020, like all the things that happened in our world in 2020, it was, it was, it's almost like every single thing became the next, next above, like above God, above God, like all of this above God, like no, it's racial reconciliation, above God. It's, oh no, it's this political environment, above God. Oh, it's this, it's this sickness and disease, above God. You, and I think the idea is the church has to be the sounding voice and, and the, the cause of reason yes. to say, no, this is what the scriptures say and this is how we live it out. And I think for too, too long we've been quiet about that and just, just assumed, well, I, I, if, like you said, if our church looks like heaven, then we must be doing it right. The reality is it can look like heaven and still be this bias that runs through. And I'm going to show you this in the book of Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter it receives a vision three times. Yes. The Lord shows him a vision that he's to go from where he's at as a Jew to preach the gospel to Cornelius in Caesarea, who would be the there. Were, there was basically you were Israelite or you were not an Israelite, which meant you were a Gentile. And and there's a lot of there. There's a showing here that uh, Simon had to see this vision three times because he wasn't convinced. God really should send him yeah, he was to the Gentiles. Like, you didn't mean that, God. That's not what you meant. And he showed him. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know, I know the book. I know what I'm talking about. And God had to show him again. And then Peter said, like, why would you send me to an unclean place? And God said, if I call it clean, don't you dare ever call it unclean. And so... Peter gets up and he goes to Cornelius and he preaches the gospel and the entire household is saved. Right. Right. So who, who understands? So Peter is the champion of racial reconciliation, right. but he, did, he wasn't. Right. Because when we read in Galatians, uh, he, he gets into some space where now he's like, uh, it's not Galatians, it's, it's one of the others, it's, it might be Ephesians. But he, he gets into some space where all of a sudden he's like, he's eating with the Gentiles as long as nobody else is around. Yes. And then as soon as the other Jewish leaders come to town, he yes, ditches all of them and goes straight to, straight to the leaders of, 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 of religion and culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one of the verses that you read was from Ephesians chapter 4. And I love the book of Ephesians because it's written to the church in Ephesus concerning just unity and mm -hmm. uh, real unity can be found in Christ when we understand that even though we do look different, that we're all made, um, created and loved by the same God. And um, in Ephesians chapter two in, in verse 16, it says that through the cross that Christ killed hostility mm. and, and a lot of hostility in that time uh, was a, um, it was a byproduct of racial tension. And so that's really important for us to understand because if we want to continue in the power of racial reconciliation, or maybe we're in this room and maybe there are some segregational mindsets or tendencies that you grew up learning, or maybe there are some struggles that you have even with this topic as me and Pastor Chuck are speaking on it. What, what I find very beautiful is that if we want to continue to make change, if we want to continue to be the change, or maybe if we are not seeing the change that we would like to see in our churches, maybe we're not seeing the change that we would like to see in our families. Could it be because of our lack of intimacy with the Lord and our lack of time at the foot of the cross? Mm. Because racism has to die at the foot of the cross. Right. What, what we have to understand is that the cross is where our flesh goes to die. Right. The cross is where sin goes to die. The cross is where we get washed by the blood of Jesus. At the foot of the cross is where real unity can be found. And so when we read here in Ephesians chapter 2 that it was at the cross that that racial hostility was killed. If we want to continue yeah. to see our church be diverse, 
if we want to continue to see healing when it comes to racial tensions, if we want to continue to see breakthrough, if we want to continue to see eyes being open and having difficult conversations, more than just fancy words and more than just doing our research on Google and, and more than just doing all these other things, are we finding ourselves at the foot of the cross? Yeah. And this is why Paul says in Galatians chapter two that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. It is right. no longer I who lives, but Christ who right. lives in me. Yeah. And so we must understand, church, that when we come every single Sunday, when we take communion, or when Pastor Chuck ends the service on, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? A life with Jesus is an invitation to daily crucifixion. Mm. Yeah. And if we are not willing to die to ourselves, We will continue to see racism. We will continue to see bigotry. We will continue to see hatred. We will continue to see sin run about because we are not doing our job and taking responsibility for our personal intimacy with the Lord and finding ourselves at the foot of the cross. The cross is a dangerous place to be, but it's convicting me because if I want to see change, if we want to see change, it starts at the cross. It's what Jesus died for. He died for a global church that looks diverse, yeah. different tongues, different nations. That's what he died for. So true. And I think in, in that, that framework, that cross component, the daily um, decision yeah. to die to ourselves, it is so that the only way that we reconcile sin is not by how good we can be or what we can do. It's through the blood of Jesus. Yeah and the grace of God. So I wanna, I wanna close with this part because it's in, it's in Galatians where Paul comes to town and finds Peter who we know he had this vision about preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and now he's, he's living like this double standard of like when you're, when you're there, I'm with you, but when everybody else is in town, man, I can't be seen with you. And that, doesn't that sound like the picture of division and racial tension and so Paul shows up and he says this in Galatians chapter 2 he says Paul writes when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message what is the truth that Jesus he's not willing that any should perish that all should come to the knowledge and salvation of Jesus he said so I said to Peter in front of all the others since you a Jew by birth have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. So he's like, listen, you, you should be living these laws all the time, but you understand this message of grace. And so now you're eating with Gentiles when they're around, and you're, and, but, but you want to force those customs back on people. And he says this, since you a Jew by birth have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. And and Paul is saying, like, listen, Peter, you're not saved because you were a Jew. You're saved because you believed in Jesus. You're not saved because of all the good things you do. You're saved because of the grace of God on your life. And so why are you trying to make this group of people do all of these things in order to find the salvation that was freely given to you? And um, so he's like, he says in verse 15, God did not have fellowship with you on the basis of race and culture. Though you were good and devout, your race and customs had nothing to do with it. Your relationship with God is based on grace. Which I, th- I know we're, we're going to close, but just you saying that is such an eye-opener because you we're, we're reading, um, and this is why I love the Word of God, because the Word of God plasters the failures of humanity yeah. all throughout this book, and which makes me feel good sometimes because I'm not perfect. But it, just you reading that, Pastor Chuck, it, you would think... Of all the people of all. that would understand it, you would think Peter would be the one. Of all the people right. that you think would understand the mission and the message of Jesus, we're still seeing, and this is after Christ has resurrected and ascended back into heaven, Peter still doesn't get it. Yeah. And he spent three years around Christ, 
And that's another conviction for us to, to understand is, is that we can still be around the things of God mm. and not be walking in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. For three years, Peter spent walking in the flesh with Jesus, saw miracles, saw blind yeah. eyes being opened, saw signs and wonders, saw Jesus feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000. And that's a, a conviction for me is that I can spend every single Sunday on this front row. We could spend time in small group. We could spend time around our pastors. But if we are not being intimate with the Holy yeah. Spirit, we will never be Miss walking it. in the revelation of Jesus Miss Christ. It. It. That's convicting to know. Yeah. And if we're not walking in that revelation, then we'll never walk in reconciliation. Right. And when you have a revelation of the finished work of the cross, then racial reconciliation is not hard for you to accept. Yeah. Because a gospel message that is absent of the message of reconciliation is not a real gospel message. Yeah. It is not. Yeah. And when you realize what Christ died for, may we be the generation that doesn't act like Peter, where we have the revelation yeah. and we're walking in godly inclusivity. I just, as you yeah. read that, I was like, well, yeah, you would right. think he would get it. And that, that's what gives us hope to know, like if, like, if there are these areas in our life that are blind spots to us, it's we have people in our life that are different than us that help us see that. We've had conversations about social media and how media seems to push this this envelope of and like we've we've talked about. I mean, how do we ever get away from the separation and the distinction? And I think the reality is, it's we don't get away from the distinction and the diversity. We learn how to make it unified through the blood of Jesus. So Paul is saying this. He's like Paul's not pointing at Peter and saying, "Hey." Um, He's not only saying racism is a sin, which it is, which it is, but he's saying that the root of racism is the, the sin or the rejection of the grace of God. And that the root of racism is when you decide that we are justified by our works and by who we are. And so that's what makes me better than everybody else is because of who I am. And the Bible is clear, we are justified by, faith, by grace through faith. Yes. So, so we have to have this image of like, man, it is only by the grace of God. And because of his grace, I extend that grace into all of my relationships. And I don't pick my friends because of who they are and what they've done. I picked them through this beautiful picture of grace and diversity that the Lord has put me in this environment. That's, yeah, that's the beautiful image. That's the, yeah. and I think we talked about it too. It's, that's the beautiful image of the cross is that if our vertical relationships are gonna be right, yeah. then it has to, then our relationship with the Father has to be the same. And so, um, and it's, it's hard for us to extend that grace. Yeah. When, like you said, we, we haven't even come to the full knowledge of the grace of God. And it's hard to, it's hard to give what, what you don't have. And so I guess that's the challenging question because I think this is a conversation where church, we're not telling you exactly what to think. We're challenging you how to think. Mm -hmm. And so if extending grace is hard for you, maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is, have you fully understood that the grace that you seem to not be able to extend to others, it's first been extended to you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, do, 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 do you understand that in order for you to extend grace, you must understand that Christ has already extended grace to you just by simply coming for you? Yeah. And I think that's sometimes why there is so much hardening in the hearts of people. And when I say people, church, it's not even just people who are not saved. It's believers. We must understand that sometimes the most segregated time of our weeks are on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. We must come to that knowledge. And when we come to that knowledge, maybe the hard question we need to ask ourselves is, are we missing the fact that this grace, before we extend it, we just need to simply receive it? Yeah, so good. That the grace that we want to give, it's, it's for us too. And if we, if we don't have it or if we don't understand that it's been given to us first, yeah. then how do we extend that in our own relationships? It's, I mean, it's, it's so good. And I think this, this is kind of like the piece that helps all of us, like in a 360 view, and not just, it, it's for if you feel like you're being discriminated against yeah. or if you're the one being discriminatory. But that, this is the final step I wanna show you that Paul does. Yeah. 
is Paul doesn't point at Peter and say, you better repent of your racism, which he should. And we should. If we, if we find racism in our heart, we should repent right at that moment, take to the cross. But what, he, what, he said, what he's showing him is like, it's not just repenting for the racism. He's saying, repent for rejecting the grace of God yes. and trying to earn righteousness. Yes. And if you'll repent for that and receive the grace of God, like you just talked about, it will open your eyes in the windows of this beautiful picture of what heaven looks like and what our world should look like. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's, I think you just tied it all together perfectly. And if, if we're willing to accept that, then I think we'll see a change, even more change. Yeah. And um, this is my encouragement to the church is, you know, let, let's not let this month go by because we don't just want to limit this to a month. We want to spend it's our, our life, life. It's our life. Of just constantly being for racial reconciliation. I'm thankful for pastors and leaders that aren't afraid to have this conversation. Because at the same time, we, we can't confront what we don't talk about. Right. And I've said this before. There's a lot of people in our world that are taking the silence of believers as permission. And if we don't say anything, if we don't stand up for justice... If we don't stand up for racial reconciliation, if we don't stand up for our brothers and sisters, the ones that look like us and the ones that don't, then we are doing a poor job at being ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That the minute you give your life to Christ, you have now accepted the mantle, the responsibility of racial reconciliation. Racial reconciliation, it is not a suggestion. It is a biblical mandate. Yeah. And if we see it as a biblical mandate, then revival will go beyond just a church service. It will become a lifestyle on the inside of our souls. Yeah. It's the truth. So just Amen. thankful that we get to have this conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish we could spend all the time that we want to, like in this moment, because um, we've had some, some fun conversations. Real funny conversations. <laughs> and, uh, but... Um, that's the joy of doing life together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I wanna encourage all of you. It's, you can't just fix it in this one hour. Yeah. It has to be the priority of your life of putting Jesus first and loving your neighbor as yourself yes. and being reminded who your neighbor is. Yes. So PM, pray, pray for everybody as we close out. Just like, just um, pray for us that we receive that grace yes. and then um, that we don't just we don't just only ask to be receiving something but that we become the extender of grace because it's the picture of God in our life yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit yes. and that grace be extended in the lives of others well hey let's do this let's all stand to our feet as we close let's all stand to our feet